BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and miniskirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. I wish that we could take more of the integrative approach in the physical side. And um, that's my whole life's work is to try and get people to understand the mind. But even on the physical side, mm-hmm. Jordan, you can have go through all the things that you're going through. And, and I know you work on your mind and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But we, most people don't realize that in order to benefit from that exercise routine in a substantial way over the long term, mm-hmm. your mind has to drive that process. So if you aren't dealing with traumas or you staying in these bad habits or you're pushing stuff down, your benefit drops that you'll get from that exercise. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Caroline Leaf, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Nice to speak to you again, Jordan. Nice to speak to you as well. I'm so thankful to have you back. If, if you're just listening and tuning into the podcast, Dr. Leaf was on the podcast, I want to say maybe a year or two ago, we had a great conversation. I'll be sure that we link that episode in the show notes if you want to go back and listen, but it was so great. And so I'm so thankful to have her back. She has a new book on mental health for children. And I just think, or mental health in children. And I think this is such an important topic, especially nowadays. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Dr. Leaf, can you share just a little more about what you do? and why you decided to write this book, uh, this latest book on mental health in children. Absolutely. Well, as we all know, there is. I'm, I'm a clinical neuroscientist and a communication pathologist and audiologist, and that mouthful is pretty much I have been researching how the mind and the brain and the body are connected and how our life experiences become part of our psycho-neurobiological network, which is the fancy word for mind-brain-body connection, and how that influences how we function in life. So in other words, life happens to us, and all the things happen, and we make choices, and all of every single thing from when we you know, newborns, or maybe even before, mm-hmm. is processed into our mind-brain-body connection, and that's what is driving us. And then what I've also researched is, well, if, if that's how it gets in, mm-hmm. how can we fix the things that weren't great that happened to us, like the traumas or just the bad habits we develop or just day-to-day struggles that turn into bad habits? And in life, life's experiences, how can we use this knowledge to process life experiences and, you know, move away from the very reductionistic biomedical model mm-hmm. that tends to diagnose when it's actually describing and, you know, it limits people's functionality. So that's kind of a background. I practiced clinically for 25 years, work with people with all kinds of things like dementia, learning disabilities, autism, severe trauma, 
So all that kind of thing, traumatic brain injury is one of my areas of speciality. Mm. And then I've continued to apply this just with people in general because I saw how much the systems that I was developing were helping my patients and they were helping me. So I was started applying this to being able to just use as a life skill. Mm. So it's used on both levels of systems I've developed and I still do clinical trials and research. I don't practice clinically anymore. And so based on all of that, I've been in the field nearly 40 years now and right. just watching what happened over the last 40 years, especially the years that I was in practice. So around about 40, 50, 60 years ago, we still, even further back, we still had a very huge, a very big focus on the mind experiencing life and the mind not being the brain, but the mind pretty much working with the brain and the body as an integrated whole and that our life experiences influenced how we functioned. And so therefore, if we had adverse experiences and people were battling, or if people were battling, that's what we saw, we wouldn't assume that there was a pathological disease. We would assume that they're going through something. Mm-hmm. And that that's logical. I mean, we all talk about that. In fact, you know, most people, if you just have a conversation and you say you're not feeling great or your child's battling, you know, there's, a, there's, there's generally, if you follow your gut, you'll actually say, well, there must be something going on. So that instinct that we have, which has actually been scientifically proven as well, has been, the, the focus has been shifted. So even though that's our instinct and that's what the science shows and that's what we've been doing for you know almost thousands of years, mm-hmm. um, there was a huge move in the past 40, 50 years, especially since the mid-90s with the advent of brain technology, to focus very much on the brain. And so with all the advances in medicine and all these brilliant things that happened, made us kind of focus too much on the mechanistic side of humanity, everything, mm-hmm. the, the physical and visual. Mm-hmm. So that that philosophy in medicine got adopted into the mind realm. And so the rules that apply there were adapted and adopted into the mind and they don't work. And that's what the research shows. But that's the dominant narrative that comes through the media, through a large body of, of sort of psychiatric science, that kind of thing. And that's, that has contributed tremendously to the problem we have in mental health currently because the research shows if you don't help someone to process what they're going through in whichever way, and there's so many different ways you can do it, then that stores up and it, it changes how a person's functions. Like this energy storing up in the brain and body that's kind of damaging the brain and body and eventually will come out and change behaviors and that kind of thing mm-hmm. but we get uh, we are telling for example we are telling our children and telling adults well i shouldn't say we but the, the biomedical model is saying if you feel sad or depressed or anxious or worried that's bad emotion that's a symptom of a disease you've got a brain disease so instead of us looking at the person as a whole and looking at what they've experienced it's being pathologized mm-hmm. and our current generation has is the most pathologized or Gen Alpha and Gen Z and even millennials are the most pathologized generation mm. in the history of mankind. Wow. And so that's one of the one of the main motivations I wrote this book at this time because we see we know there's a mental health crisis, but the way we're speaking about it's making the crisis worse. So I've actually gone so far as to say that I don't I do agree there's a mental health crisis, but that's not the main issue. Mm. That's the symptom of a larger issue, and that larger issue is mind mind management. We've kind of obliterated the mind and, and our human experience and that spiritual side of us and not only it's not even woo this is hardcore science I mean we do that mm-hmm. there's huge studies that have been running since the mid 90s mm-hmm. right the way through to currently that are showing when you adopt that kind of philosophy which is the philosophy that's dominant you're going to actually have a worse mental health crisis mm-hmm. so this book is all about helping parents teachers adults grandparents kids understand 
that, you know, if I feel sad, this is normal. This is okay. Suffering's part of life. Let me learn how to process it. There's a reason for this. Let me know how to have the tools to tell my narrative. Mm-hmm. Let me have the a way of being able to talk with my family, parents, whatever, mm-hmm. to tell my story. To have the, you know, so that's really why I've written this book. Mm-hmm. That's wow. a long, long answer, but a, a, an important answer. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's so good. And I, I was going to just ask about this because I know in your book you, you wrote that we don't necessarily have a mental health crisis. We have a mind management crisis. That's the root issue, like you said. Can you explain, you touched on mind management. Can you explain what is that exactly? How would you define mind management as you're talking about it? And I'm so glad you asked that because it sounds like a big, a big fancy term that makes no sense, mm-hmm. but actually it makes a lot of sense. And the most simple way of understanding is mind management is managing your mind mm-hmm. and your mind is who you are. It's your aliveness. It's your ability to have this conversation, listen to this conversation, be a mom, be a, a parent, be a spouse, enjoy looking at the beautiful sea and the sunshine have arguments, have suffering experience. In other words, it's you, you in life being alive that our mind enables us to be a human in life. When our mind isn't working, we're dead. That's pretty much what it is. So our mind drives everything about us on a physiological level and psychological level. And so on a physiological level, for example, it's when you're alive, your heart beats. When you're dead, your heart doesn't beat. When you're alive, you are making 800 to 1,000 new cells every second which form your body. When you're dead, that doesn't happen. Mm. When you're alive, your brain, if you do an EEG on your brain, you're going to see brain waves, which is energy. When you're dead, you don't see that. So that's mm. the, that's what mind is. So mind is how we experience life, and life is full of unpredictability, as we all know, and it's full of ups and downs, as we all know, and that's very much what ordinary life is. And I use the word ordinary instead of normal because I don't want to get into the whole normal, abnormal thing, which is mm. very biomedical. Mm-hmm. We'd rather talk about you know, the, the the sort of ordinary experiences of life where we have highs and we have lows and we have things that happen to us and all that kind of stuff. This is, we, we need to know how to navigate that. We need to know that if I'm feeling depressed, it isn't because I have a chemical imbalance, it's because something's going on in my life. So how do I get curious about that depression mm-hmm. and see it as a, an emotion which is actually a signal, one of four signals to help us to dive deeper and process that experience. And this you can teach to children. This is kind of part of our, this is a funny thing that I'm going to say, but it's kind of part of our our wireframing. I mean, how we are set up as humans, Mm -hmm. resilience, uh, resilience, the ability to manage our mind, the ability to learn from our dreams, ability to get into those deep spiritual things, to have deep discussions. This is all part of our factory settings. It's all part of who we are. Mm -hmm. But these are things we have to develop and unlock but if we suppress those if we don't draw on those natural wiring functions into our psycho neurobiology which is managing them which is okay i'm feeling sad why or i'm angry now and irritable and frustrated why or i'm consistently having nightmares why you know it's that exploring it's reflecting it's understanding the process versus oh gosh i keep feeling depressed i'm having these mood swings go to the doctor, oh, I've got bipolar, or I'm having persistent nightmares, oh, those are symptoms of some disease in my brain. Rather shift away from that and look at a mind management perspective is a self-regulated perspective where we stand back and observe how we're showing up Mm -hmm. and the impact that's having on our life, ourselves, our work, our family, 
whatever, and then doing something about that. Yeah, That's the shift. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. Yeah, that's so good. Thank you for breaking that down so well, because you're right, it does kind of sound like a big fancy term. <laughs> but I think the way that you explained it makes so much sense. So thank you. I want to talk a little okay. bit about self-regulation. I think you briefly touched on this without necessarily saying it. And I'd love if you can just break down why self-regulation is so important and how is this something that we need to teach not only ourselves, but also our children? Well, self-regulation, so mind management is our, um, as I mentioned, it's how we are going to manage every experience and how it's affecting us. So I'm so thrilled and so happy. So therefore I am, you know, let me not just let that pass by. Let me see why do I feel like this? Let me go and explore that thought behind it so that I can grow it and that builds the resilience in my brain and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing versus the, you know, depression, whatever. So it's all that's mind management, dealing with the traumas of our life, doing inner child work, all of that. So self-regulation is incorporated into that. So mind management has as its predominant tool, the predominant tool is Mm self-regulation. So when I talk about managing your mind, I'm talking about self-regulating. So when you work with a child, for example, if you're working with your two or three-year-old or whatever, Mm -hmm. it's obviously very co-regulated because Mm -hmm. you're teaching them, you know, when they throw their toys at each other or hit the sibling or something like that, that's a behavior that's linked to an emotion, that's linked to perspective and a body sensation in that moment. And what one wants to do is you co-regulate by saying, hey, we don't hurt other people. We don't throw toys around. I understand that you're doing this because of something. Obviously, age-appropriate language. I'm just giving you the, you know, the the the, mm-hmm. to the high end of it. But you basically are going to help a child. Obviously, there's consequences. You don't do that, but you're not just going to leave it there. It's not. Oh, that's bad behavior. Go to your room. Mm-hmm. It is okay. You, that does hurt. You don't hurt people. We, that's unacceptable. That's the consequence. That's the lesson you learn. But on the other hand, why are you doing that? Let's explore why you're doing that. And that's teaching a child self-regulation. And as and you where you co-regulating. So initially, as a parent of a young child, you're teaching that to them. People that have been through extreme levels of trauma, they very often we hear so many psychological terms being thrown around all the time, like mm-hmm. uh, dysregulated. That's a very common word that's used. Oh, I'm dysregulated, and it is a good description of what can happen when someone is in extreme states of trauma that they haven't quite managed, and they've developed coping mechanisms like addictions to alcohol or something mm-hmm. like that. Which is which helped to sort of numb the pain of what they went through, but it changes the whole way that the person functions and it impacts them and other people. And so someone who's in that state will initially need co-regulation to help them recognize and see, hey, listen, this is the impact of this addiction to drinking, which and and the things that go along with that kind of pattern. And that's what you've done to try and manage this, but that's not an effective, sustainable tool because it's impacting you and it's impacting your loved ones and it's impacting your life and your work and and whatever it may be. And that is then using co-regulation to help a person recognize that mm. they are dysregulated in order to lead them towards self-regulation. Mm. Okay. That makes so much sense. So does this, well, I'm trying to figure out how to want to word this question. I guess, what would you say when it comes to like how we currently treat depression, anxiety, and other mental issues in children, mental health issues in children, I I would imagine this is kind of this idea of co-regulation and helping them self-regulate is probably part of a better solution. But I'd be curious, what do you think is wrong with how we currently approach this when it comes to children? And what's your thought on that? So glad you asked that question. So as I mentioned at the beginning, this is the most pathologized generation. Mm-hmm. And the, there's a lot of different researchers, even child psychiatrists that are leaders in the field that are really challenging this model, this biomedical model that pathologizes childhood. So essentially, children in today's current environment, if they are showing 
any kind of pattern. Mm -hmm. So whether it's not concentrating at school, whether it's not being able to sit still in their chair or their work is going down or they may be fighting with their friends or they're withdrawing or there's anything that's changed, it's it's noted, which is great. I mean, that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. But instead of us asking the questions of let's describe and let's look at the context of the child's life. Let's bring in the parents. Let's bring in whoever's caregiving. Let's look at the circumstances. Let's see the friends. Instead of doing that whole thing, which is done on a very basic level, in some places not at all. Mm-hmm. In some places it's done really well um, in some environments. But in general, that does take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So in general, when a child shows a persistent pattern, the parents will get called in and will get told that there's, your child's not concentrating, you think they've got ADHD, mm-hmm. or they're very depressed, maybe they've got bipolar, they get referred to psychiatrists, and most psychiatrists within a 15-minute block and they aren't, there are some amazing ones that I work with that don't do this. But in general, the current that most experiences that people will have will be one of, of a diagnosis very, very quickly. And when you diagnose quickly or even diagnose, when it comes to something like diabetes, mm-hmm. it's an identified some list of symptoms that have been shown to be attached to a physical problem with the pancreas. There's tests to measure it. So their diagnosis makes sense because mm-hmm. you're diagnosing makes sense to look at the symptoms and to understand from the medicine, advances in medicine, that there's an underlying neurobiological, I mean, a biological pathology in the pancreas. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to your child maybe having a lot of nightmares and suddenly bullying your younger child, their, their younger siblings and not wanting to go to school when they always love to go to school or suddenly having a whole lot of nightmares or something like that. In other words, when there's a persistent change of behavior, to just diagnose and say, oh, okay, that's bipolar, that's ADHD, those are symptoms of an underlying disease. That's pathologizing childhood because that's taking something as a symptom with the goal of eliminating the symptom. Meanwhile, we've missed a whole opportunity to not say that's a symptom, but to say, okay, these are behaviors and emotions mm-hmm. and perspectives that this child has and sensations in their body. And we need to look at those signals and we need to be curious about finding out the why behind it. So we need to describe mm-hmm. rather than diagnose and also just so that, I mean, there's a whole chapter in the book on this, but so that parents understand that there is no research that's substantial that actually supports that when a child labeled in this way that there is an underlying neurobiological cause. In other words, it's not that the brain is causing it because the message we're sending our children was just that, oh, what you're going through is actually not important. Mm-hmm. It's and then you're not saying that directly, but we're saying there's something wrong with you. So the child's message is there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And they'll hear brain and they'll hear you know, that there's, and, and that then goes to the core of the individual's identity of, oh, I'm a broken brain. I'm a broken person. Where's the hope? I can't help myself. This is just who I am. I'm a broken brain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that causes tremendous emotional disorders mm-hmm. and problems and, you know, identity issues. And it'll just make the problem worse. And then mm-hmm. if you medicate as well, you, you're adding layers upon layers. So, you know, that's what is currently being done that should not be done. Mm-hmm. And it's um, you know, they they even diagnosing the children as young as two with pediatric bipolar, which is not even a scientific category. Mm-hmm. You know all these things in the DSM and ICD, these are not diagnoses; these are descriptions. Mm-hmm. And we so we shouldn't you, we should use them as descriptions and say, okay, this is a really great way of describing the behavior patterns. Now let's see why. And instead of saying, oh, it's because you've got a chemical imbalance or genetic thing, whatever wrong with your brain, rather let's say what circumstances are happening and persistently. I remember I said right at the beginning, one of the first questions when you asked about mind, I spoke about how your mind takes experiences and wires it into the mind-brain-body network, and those become our drivers. 
Now, if you if a child is persistently being bullied, whatever the child's experiencing, everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, it's all being wired in. They're in an environment where they may be being bullied by someone and they are too scared to tell the teacher, but they're so scared in class that it's affecting their ability to concentrate and it's changing their behaviors at home. But they've been so threatened by that bully that they don't know how to share it. Mm. They don't know how to understand what they're exposed to and whatever, then that is wired in and that's what's driving them and mm. it's going to come out with all these symptoms. That's not a, that experience is going to change the brain. It's like if you yeah. drink alcohol, it is going to change the brain. Mm-hmm. But the changes in the brain and the body are the result, not the cause. Mm. So we have to address them, but we have to address the cause, which is what's going on in the child's life. Wow. So you kind of have to do a parallel approach. Yeah. You know, this is really fascinating for me to listen to and, and learn about because it makes so much sense. I have done such a deep dive into a, my physical wellness journey personally over the last several years. And one thing that I've learned kind of in this functional approach to physical well-being is that so often in kind of the the standard medical model, they uh, they treat the symptom, right? Medication to treat yes. the symptom. And yes. very, very rarely are they really trying to get to the root cause. And if you want to get to the root cause, you almost have to work with someone more of like an integrative or functional provider mm-hmm. in order to figure out, well, what's causing this symptom of pain or acne or whatever it might be that you're seeing or experiencing, where is the imbalance in my gut or where is the imbalance? Where is this? What's the root issue? So we can actually tackle that versus just medicating the symptom. And it's interesting just to hear the parallel of how this is happening in the mental health side of things as well. Oh, yes. You know, what, 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 why we need to be aware of that. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14-karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50-80% to less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, a luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. (laughs) Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. 
Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients. And it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. True. And, it, and it's actually, I'm glad you've mentioned that because we actually have, it's almost like the physical side because it's so much easier to measure the physical side. Mm-hmm. It's so much, and also because we haven't invested the time. And, and I mean, I can argue that side too, that if you know what you're looking at, the mind is actually easier to measure than the physical because mm-hmm. the evidence is sitting in front of you, how are you showing up, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we can, and a person's circumstances, but that takes time. The physical, even yeah, the, as you say, you, you, the functional medicine, integrative medicine approach, longevity, all these different approaches are very, they're growing very fast mm-hmm. in the physical world, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And there's also an understanding that these things take time. And but when it comes to mind, there's like no time is given. It's like, oh, you are depressed. That's the symptom. This is the diagnosis. This is the medication. You take the medication, you get side effects from the medication. Mm-hmm. And they're not really, you know, one doctor that I work, that I follow who's, and I've interviewed him and he's a leader in the field, he'll say we should stop calling them antidepressants, call them depression pills Hmm. because they're actually pills that aren't fixing anything. Anti implies like an antibiotic that they're fixing something. So it's misleading to people that, okay, I'm going to give this ADHD medication because it's anti-beast. It's, an, it's a, right, it's a stimulant. It. So it's, right. it's going to cure it. Like the, the insulin for diabetes. The insulin for diabetes type 1 does cure it. Mm. It does treat the problem. But an antidepressant is not. It's a depression pill that makes you cope better in the moment because it numbs your emotions. But in the long term, mm. it's not a solution because it's not fixing the problem. Yeah. And you've got to use them with such tremendous caution because of the the changes they that your brain makes when you take them yeah. because your brain always changes whatever you think whatever you're doing is changing 24 7 all the time right. it's never the same so th- and that's not explained sufficiently right. so i wish that we could take more of the integrative approach in the physical side and um, that's my whole life's work is to try and get people to understand the mind because even on the physical side Mm-hmm. Jordan, if you can have go through all the things that you're going through, and and I know you work on your mind and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. but we, most people don't realize that in order to benefit from that exercise routine in a substantial way over the long term, mm-hmm. your mind has to drive that process. So if you aren't dealing with traumas or you staying in these bad habits or you're pushing stuff down, your benefit drops that you'll get from that exercise. Your benefit will drop from that great nutrition nutrition plan. Your benefit, but it's going to be Band-Aid benefit, Band-Aid on the wound, as opposed to, you know, it kind of blocks your ability. So literally our mind enables us to absorb that good nutrition or blocks and, and reduces how much of that good nutrition or great exercise benefit in our DNA we get when we don't manage our mind. And that's what we need to talk about more. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So interesting. Well, that 
it's just, I think it personally just makes sense to me because of the experience, the journey I've been on. And then when you can look at it through the lens of the mind, it's like, well, obviously, but it's crazy how easily you just miss that if you're not really looking for it. So I, I appreciate you breaking that down so well. Something else Asian. I want to touch on too. I know you talk about mental messes and I want to know what your thought is on how mental messes from our childhood follow us into adolescence and adulthood. Such a good question as well. And so essentially, the chronic unmanaged stress increases our vulnerability to disease over time, mm-hmm. lifestyle diseases. Mm-hmm. And basically, um, what we what, what happens is that whatever we experience, as I've mentioned already, goes into the psychoneurobiological network. So just think of every moment mm-hmm. of your day. Your mind is taking all that it's energy and, and it's all those words and experiences and touches and all that stuff. Everything you're going through is converting into your mind as an energy wave, into your brain as like a little tree-like structure, mm-hmm. and then into your, into every cell of your body as like it's like a little protein beaded carpet. Mm-hmm. And so it's becoming part of your mind ex- experience becomes embodied into your mind, brain, and body connection, and that's therefore driving you. So if you have a child and parents maybe are going through a divorce and and the the fights are happening behind closed doors and there's not explanation given to the child, children are very, very insightful, way more insightful than we've given them credit for. Mm -hmm. And that's why I included some of that research in my book as well to say, hey, listen, kids read body language better than adults. Mm -hmm. They are way more insightful than what we and we've given them credit for. They also honor authenticity and respond extremely well to that that raw authenticity that is so important to us as um, as functioning humans that leads to empathy and all that kind of stuff. So if a child is experiencing that example of the parents fighting and behind closed doors and mm-hmm. lots of unspoken explanations you may find that that child now goes to school and then start these concentration problems happening and maybe withdrawing and maybe some bullying, maybe whatever. So in other words, there could very well be and there will be some kind of behavioral and emotional and physical and perspective changes in that child's life. Mm-hmm. And so if that's not dealt with and that child will also start thinking, okay, well, I must be the bad person. I must be the one causing because they're hiding from me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is just the, the why we need to be so honest and authentic with our children about our own experiences. And then that they let's say that child doesn't deal with that and there's a very messy divorce and they go through the, the rest of their childhood and parents are, you know, they go and visit the parents but there's always, you know, separate houses and, mm-hmm. you know, all the things that happen around that kind of thing. Each one of those is adding to this change that is wiring into the brain. So this mm-hmm. tree is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and more and more toxic. Mm-hmm. And um, in the body, that those, those carpets will, protein carpets that hold the body memory of that experience start becoming a bit unrolled because unfortunately that's not a healthy experience mm-hmm. it's um, it's one that's got the wrong kind of energy and it's the wrong kind of neurochemicals and the wrong kind of protein folding and so all these things that happen on a psychological level converting to these physical mm-hmm. physiological things and over time those build 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 so then you start seeing in late childhood you know behavioral problems learning problems early adolescence when already there's i mean just being an adolescent is a bipolar is an all experience up and down up and down mm-hmm. you know it's you your heart emotions are heightened everything's changing and that's very often when dramatic so-called mental health issues start occurring with and if you track it back you can see it's there's there's, there's a root there's a root which is this this um, relationship issue and then they go into adulthood and they can't form relationships and they they whatever they don't trust people there's a trust issue so they just never quite get to the point of forming a relationship and we need relationships so there's this 
desperate need that's not met. Okay, so I've painted a picture, and it's a pretty broad picture, but it's very evident. So all of that has created all of that unprocessed stuff, that toxic tree in the brain, which looks like a tree, mm-hmm. is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. These proteins and chemicals and energy that are flowing incorrectly, the immune system now starts, has from the beginning, when this first happened, it said happened when you're six years old, and now maybe you're 16 or whatever, mm-hmm. and you've now got this, um, your immune system for 16 years or 10 years has been screaming out in response to that toxic tree because your brain, mind and body love you and are on your side and are trying to heal you. Mm-hmm. So your immune system of your body will send out physical immune factors to that toxic area in your brain and body and inflammation occurs and over time that inflammation that is supposedly directed initially at healing but there's no root the root's not ever removed you don't take your hand off the hot stove you just keep putting a band-aid on so eventually that creates a vulnerability in the body to to disease so you find that there's more you know physical diseases and things happening and then there's all the relational issues so when we see if we can help a child from young to manage the emotions we prevent these building up but some will still happen regardless because not everything is going to be managed perfectly but the so earlier we start my youngest patients were two and three the better but then life still happens so you can do all the right things as a parent and whatever and they get into university and something happens and that was totally out of your control they go to a friend and something happens you know there's so much out of our control mm-hmm. and if a child doesn't know how to process this thing that happened with a family member that you trust mm-hmm. maybe they were touched inappropriately or something that builds and that's adding to and so that so there's a double whammy it's the physical breakdown eventually over time the physical immune system gets confused and gets a hyperimmune response and that creates vulnerability in the body to disease and you start seeing gut issues and all these weird physical things that you just can't put your finger on the source and why is my child got all these lingering health problems mm-hmm. and then you see the you know the things that can really blow up like especially sexual trauma when that's not handled that's very often can blow up in the early 20s and psych- you know could be labeled psychoses and you know and that's just really where the, the eventually that thing it's it's a growing living dynamic tree and these carpets that are unrolling this is energy and it's got nowhere to go so eventually it'll explode mm. and that explodes in the extreme end of the brokenness that we see very often around 15 16 and then in the early 20s and that's when they start you know getting multiple diagnoses and multiple medications which makes it worse Meanwhile, it's just that, you know, your body can only handle so much. So between 15 and 25, that's when we see so many massive explosions in people's lives Mm -hmm. because of suppression. So that's why it's so important to be proactive and preemptive. And if you are on that side where you didn't have a chance, it's never too late. Because your brain's always changing, you can direct that change and you can manage your mind. That's the mind management aspect. Yeah. Just everything you said, I'm like, Yes, yes, yes. All of this. It's so, it's so true. And I, I just think it's important to talk about. I'm glad that you are writing this book about it. And I know in your book, you talk a lot about thought trees. And I just, I, I love this concept. We talked about it a little bit on the last time that you were on. But I'd love if you can just help us understand what they are and how maybe they can help our children understand how experiences impact their brains and bodies so that, you know, this, I, like this blow up maybe doesn't happen or that we can absolutely you know, get ahead of it in this way but helping them understand this help us understand it so that we can help them understand it i guess is the question <laughs> absolutely absolutely so the thought trees are those 
thing that I was referring to that grow into our brain. Mm -hmm. So like this conversation is becoming part of your brain and body as we're talking because it's sound waves and it's light waves and it's and there's um and, and their mind grabs that and then there's the psychological side of understanding what's being said and all of that goes into the mind and it mm. creates like a like a wave think of the waves of the sea or think of when you look at a podcast and you see the little lines jumping up and down that's kind of how this experience of this conversation is building mm. and then in the brain it's forming a tree our words would form the roots so it literally looks like trees in the rain with the roots which is the origin story the source which is our conversation currently for this particular sort tree and then the tree trunk is how each person because everyone's different uniquely processes or thinks feels and chooses which is the mind in action because your mind in action is thinking feeling and choosing in response to every experience mm-hmm. so everything we say each person listening is thinking feeling and choosing which is kind of the tree trunk and it's unique so it's different so everyone's hearing the same stuff but processing it in their own unique way based on the life experiences and who they are and how they see the world and all that stuff and then that grows branches and it's all happening really fast at like 400 million actions per second or something in that region which is very fast mm-hmm. And so then, and then you grow branches, and the branches are the interpretation of that information based on your experience. So the roots are the source. The tree trunk is how you look at life, and the and the tr- branches are the um, how you you're looking at life has processed that experience into the reality for you, and that then shows up in your life, in your emotions, and how you look at the world, and your behaviours, and your physical sensations, and how you, and take all of that into the bigger picture: how you parent, how you relationship, how you work, how you go to school, how you handle whatever. All the things we do as humans. Mm-hmm. So the bottom line is that that whole process of life becomes these thought trees mm-hmm. in the brain. That's what they look like. In the body, the thought trees equivalent are these little protein rolled up carpets, which is in every single cell. You've got 37 to 100 trillion cells. Mm-hmm. And then in the mind, it's a gravitational field. Mm-hmm. So it's three parts that are connected. But in the brain specifically, thoughts look like trees. Mm-hmm. Now, every word that I'm saying to you is a memory. It's a piece of data. Mm-hmm. So thought trees are made up of memories. So memories are not separate from thoughts. Thoughts are not separate from memories. Thoughts are made of memories, mm-hmm. exactly like a thought tree is made of roots and a trunk and branches. Mm-hmm. So every so we've got one tree building of this conversation in all of our brains currently, and it's different. The branches look different for every person. The branches are the interpretation, the roots are the source, mm-hmm. but it's the branch memories and the root memories. Now, where this is so helpful is with, with children and adults is that you can you can take a two and three year old and you can show them and point to a picture or in your garden show them that's a beautiful tree and inside your brain and you can point to the head and, and we've actually in the new book that you're talking about how to help your child clean up their mental mess we have a cartoon character that I created years ago and we just revamped called Brainy and it's a, so we teach all these concepts with Brainy and Brainy is this cute little cartoon character that's got a brain for a head mm-hmm. we've even got a plush toy we've created which they can get from our website we have a coloring book coloring with Brainy and Friends which covers different circumstances and things we've got stories coming out so it's a whole mental health kit mm-hmm. to help a child because a child will relate to a cartoon they'll relate to, to a toy and we've got pictures of, for example, Brainy going up to looking in, at a pathway and there's an ugly looking tree and there's a beautiful tree. So you could take your two, three-year-old, four-year-old and if they're very sad and unhappy, you can point to that tree and say, that's what that's what it feels like inside your brain and hold up the brainy toy and say, mm-hmm. when, and that's the happy tree. And that's like when you had that, your birthday party or when granny came to visit or mm-hmm. when your friend slept over and you had that fun 
sleepover or the toxic tree when you were bullied at school and the teacher shouted you and dad and mom had an argument and made you sad. So you can show that concept and then the idea with a child is to say that to be able them to, to, to be able to pick up that little brainy toy or go to the book and point to the little cartoon character or point to a tree or to have cut out pictures of different trees and different emotions. And I give all these tips and the, lots of very practical tips in the book. And if they come home from somewhere, they have the tools, mental skills to be able to say, to point to, and even to, like we've had two-year-olds and I've done this in family therapy, we've had two and three-year-olds literally take a mommy's hand and or dad's hand or big sister's hand or something and pull him over to the window and point to the tree and say sad and the tree has got leaves falling off it i mean that's that's the that's the powerfulness of this that and then the idea is that if they then you can dive deeper you know you can start asking the questions and i give developmental tables for how to ask the questions and that sort of thing and that's the neurocycle the, the whole Going from how do you find the sort tree? What do you do when your child points to that sad tree? What is mm-hmm. the process you then go through? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you ask the questions? How do you, you know, gather awareness of those and then reflect? And how do you capture that information? And how do you help them to reframe or, re- or actually reconceptualize, which is deeper than reframing? Mm-hmm. And what action do you take? That little process is something that you can teach to children as a mind management skill. So mind management, self-regulation, sort trees, all of this is built into the system I've developed called the neurocycle, mm. neuro meaning brain cycle. So it's not that it's a new therapy technique. You can use whatever therapy technique, whatever great ideas you've had as a parent. There's all so many great books out there. You use all of that. But the idea is is that we've got to, those thought trees are what are driving us. So if you just do a thing, like let's talk about our emotion, you're not fixing the tree. You just, you know, you're just dealing with the, the symptom. If you just label it or medicate it, you're not fixing. What you want to do is you want to teach the child to actually identify those signals, and which is the emotions and behaviors, perspectives and bodily sensations. And those are like attached by this invisible gold thread or whatever analogy you want to use to these trees. So when we, when we talk about how we feel and how our body feels and how or we use brainy, they, you know, it's very great with young kids. It's great to say, oh, I see brainy's sad and brainy's got a sore tummy and brainy doesn't want to go to school and brainy's, brainy's um, kicking the, the back of the car seat or something like that. Mm-hmm. You you've gathered, you've identified how the child's showing up. And then you say, I wonder why Brainy's so sad. Mm-hmm. Let's, and then you can act, enact it and then you can say, okay, and then you get the information out of them and then you start the reconceptualization. Oh, is Brainy sad because someone pinched Brainy at school and Brainy, and they keep on hurting Brainy? Wow, that's sad. And you start getting information collaboratively with your child. and you, So you over time you teach them this process so that so they know automatically when something happens they can pick up Brainy or they can point to the book. Or, so you've got a connection point or they point to a tree. or And so that's what this is doing. And it's as you do these five steps of the neurocycle, you are re, you basically are doing what the brain does, any what the mind brain body connection does on an unconscious level that you're not even aware of. You bring that process that builds the driving forces of our life into the conscious mind, and you're changing them. Mm-hmm. You literally, so with the kids, there's a picture in the book of Brainy goes up to the tree and you know labels pulls down the branch. That's my sad emotion. That's my I mean that's my emotion. I'm sad. That next branch is I've got a sore tummy. The next branch. So you know there's a, they gather into a little basket and then they say you know then there's the questioning the curiosity the certain specific questions you ask about why mm-hmm. and then you you, know, you write that down or you draw it or you enact it depending on the child's age which is the third stage all of these are 
doing things in the brain that are cha- opening up the network so that you can change them because that's what you want to do is change the network. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth step is where we're literally saying, let's go and put, get plant food. We're going to get plant food. Can you see the roots of the tree? Or that's the no, that's because the, the roots are the origin story. That's the bowling. So that's the the ugly root. So we want to heal that and put plant food on. So using the analogy all the time of plant, you can grow plant. You can, mm-hmm. you know, you can. So it's it's a tremendous analogy for that we use within the neurocycle to help a child to be empowered to actually have the skills to manage their mental health. Mm, so fascinating. Thank you for explaining that so thoroughly. I mean, I love this idea. I think it's an idea, this actual thing of thought trees and and being able to understand them to be able to then help children understand them. I think is such a powerful tool and can be so transformative in the mental health experience and journey. So thank you. That I mean, I just, My I love pleasure. everything that you share. I feel like I have 7,000 more questions, but I want to be thoughtful of your time. <laughs> so the last thing I just want to ask is how do you feel like, or what role do you feel like your book plays in helping the next generation with mental health and where can everyone find it just as we wrap up? Well, the, if you think about the impact of childhood trauma on, the, on on life, I explain that a little bit. In the second part of the book, I do explain things like trauma and social identity and all that sort of thing. So what it, in terms of the next generation, we this, as I mentioned as well at the beginning, this is our Gen Alpha, Gen Z and Millennials are the most pathologized three generations. But of the three, Gen Alpha, which is up to adolescence, mm-hmm. is the most pathologized. Mm-hmm. So where this book will help change it is we've got to take that that narrative away. We've got to stop telling our children that childhood is is every time they have an emotion mm-hmm. that there's something wrong with them because that's mm-hmm. going we're already seeing the impact of that in Gen Z and in Gen in the millennials. Mm-hmm. So to change the generations, we want to equip our children as young as, as possible to say, okay, it's okay to be a mess. It's okay to be sad. Mm-hmm. This is what I can do. I, and this is what I can't do. This is how I can process mm-hmm. it. So it's literally giving them that self that mind management tool to manage it. So that's why I believe this is, this will change generations because you can teach from so young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I love that. This is great. I mean, I think it's going to be, it's so powerful. I'm so thankful that you wrote it. It's like I said, very timely and so needed. Where can we learn more from you and how can we get our hands on this book? Thank you. The book's available wherever books are sold. We also have a website, drleaf.com, where, and a store there. So there's a brainy bundle at the moment where you get the book and the toy and the coloring book. There's, you get quite a big discount. So you can, you want that. You can get them separately as well. Um, so that's drleaf.com. And then my social media handle, all my social media handles, Dr. Caroline Leaf. Then I have also have a podcast cleaning up your mental mess. So I think those three places you'll get everything. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you for all the work that you're doing. I'm very grateful, especially as a new parent, feeling a little bit overwhelmed. I heard the baby crying. That's so cute. Well, right now, three months, and then we have an older one as well. So we've got a lot, our hands a full. Yes, yeah, you got but, your hands um, full. Yes. So, um, but, but just being in this season of, oh my gosh, they're going to become kids and face this world and all these things, you know, how, how I'm can I be scary. more equipped, you know, knowing the mental health challenges and crisis that so many children and families are facing. So all the work that you're doing is such an encouragement to me. And I know so many parents who are listening. So other parents, this is required reading <laughs> for all of us is, is my, uh, my take on this, but Dr. Lee, thank, thank you. you for your time and for all that you're doing. We really appreciate oh, it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much and enjoy being a parent. And I hope this helps. I really hope this helps you and all your listeners. And thank you for your great questions. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. 
tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content and it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.